Hello and welcome to a new episode of HyperTalks. Uh, we're here at Beppo's studio uh, with the founder of BEMS, Leslie Pennington, who is now on a new venture called Kinship. Uh, welcome, Leslie. Hi, Alex. Thanks for inviting me. No worries. We're super happy to have you here today. Uh, I guess we should start off with uh, telling everyone who you are. Can you uh, let us all know? <laughs> That's a long story, uh, but I'll try to uh, shorten it a little bit. Uh, I'm actually Canadian, and uh, I've been living in Sweden for 25 years now. Um, I grew up in Toronto, Ontario, east coast of Canada. Uh, studied actually fine art and art history in uh, university, uh, and uh, realized I was. I've always been very interested. I've seen myself as a creative person, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with that creativity. I realized very quickly that I wasn't a very good artist. Uh, uh, but I discovered uh, in the coming years that actually I was really good at uh, applying that creativity to ideas. Uh, so I started my first company in Toronto when I was in my twenties. It was a company by the name of uh, Third Wave, and we actually taught uh, designers and magazines and ad agencies to use Macintosh computers. Wow. At the time when that was all, that whole desktop revolution was happening. And how was it to be in this, uh, in this era of uh, the launch of Apple and Macintosh? It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I had never used a computer, uh, and I was given a computer one day in my work, and when I saw what it was able to do, I was just blown away. I realized that this was something that was going to change my life. Uh, so I, um, uh, I started this company to teach people to use computers, and that was just before the big recession. That The recession in Canada was uh, in 91. And so this, for three years, the company grew, and we, we um, had our own premises. We invested in computers and trainers, and we were one of the most successful training companies uh, in Toronto. And then the recession hit. I was young. I really, I had used my own money. Uh, so I had no way to, I didn't know how to handle it. And I lost my business, uh, which was devastating for me. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a very, very difficult time in my life. And what would you uh, say uh, was your biggest learning from losing your business in your early 20s? Uh, to do it again. Uh, <laughs> but I think the biggest learning was learning. The yep. biggest learning was that you need to learn from these experiences and you need to pick up and do it and, and keep going. I, uh, uh, I mean, you need to take some time. You need to learn from that experience. You need to reflect on that experience. As a result of that experience, I was offered a fantastic job in California at Apple Computer. So it led to something fantastic in my life. Um, so we need to use all of these things and learn from these things. And uh, was that in Silicon Valley? Yes. And uh, how were the early years in Silicon Valley? Uh, if you if you if you think about all the news and imagery you see today, yeah. or the documentaries uh, about Steve Jobs, shall we say? Uh, how was it in the early 90s? It was it was also fantastic. It was a very exciting time to be there. Apple was also a very entrepreneurial company at that time. Uh, when I arrived, uh, uh, working in my new 
job. Uh, I uh, was told that I should create my own business plan and that uh, if I was doing the wrong thing, somebody would let me know. So just to go out and do it uh, and that I really needed to convince other people to support me and then I would be successful in my work. And my job actually was to convince software developers to develop for the Apple platform, which at that time was quite difficult because Apple had a very low market share at that time. Um, but it was it was a fantastic job. I traveled around the world. I worked with uh, you know uh, software developers worldwide, um, and was exposed to a, a, a very very interesting business culture. So from the nineties, uh, you were working with Apple, and then uh, you find yourself in Sweden now. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I I moved to California. Was working at Apple. I absolutely loved it there. I loved um, uh, what I was doing. I loved my work. Uh, I loved California. California has so many positive things going for it. Uh, but I fell in love with my Swedish colleague. Okay. So uh, so in the end, I ended up moving to Sweden. They normally say that it's the uh, it's the guys who move to Sweden for love, yeah. but it's also <laughs> in this, uh, also the women. <laughs> Uh, but then, uh, so let's fast forward to, you were the founder of BEMS, yep. which is uh, is and has been providing covers for IKEA for the last... 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. How, uh, how was that journey? Uh, so I, I, when I moved to Sweden, I, I really wanted to, I, I guess I consider myself to be an entrepreneur, so I really wanted to start my own company again. Uh, but I had to... Uh, redefine myself in Sweden. Uh, so I worked for a few companies, a few startups. I helped them t- with their internet strategy. I uh, went back to Apple for a while and worked with internet developers in Europe. Uh, went to startups during the internet bubble, uh, but I really, really wanted to do this for myself. So I started to think about business ideas that I, that were interesting for me. And one of those ideas was actually to uh, produce sofa covers for IKEA sofas and chairs. Is that because IKEA sofa covers are boring and standard? No, or <laughs> what was no I actually, um, you know, we bought a summer house and uh, I uh, bought an IKEA sofa. We bought our entire kitchen. I bought an IKEA sofa, uh, and it comes with a removable cover. Uh, but the uh, but the cover was not exactly what I wanted. So I thought, wouldn't it be a great idea if um, somebody, you know, if there was someone that created covers for IKEA sofas? Uh, and actually, you know, just before I had left Apple, when I was working for Apple in Europe, we had started to work with the Apple Store, where you could customize Apple computers. Uh-huh. So for me, this was a business model that worked in the technology industry. And what I saw the opportunity was to was to use the internet to have an e-commerce store that would allow you to mass customize uh, covers. Uh, and offer customers a greater selection than IKEA themselves could offer. Um, and then people could have whatever customer cover they, I mean, whatever uh, sofa cover they wanted to have. Nice, nice. No, but uh, BEMS is very established now. Mm-hmm. I just uh, I just checked before today that you have a 4.5 rating uh, on Trustpilot. Yeah. And that's after 17 years. What were what were the early years of starting this company up like? Uh, if, if we are giving a message to people listening who are interested in starting their own business, but also starting their own business and being successful, yeah. 
how many hours do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I'll focus on the... Um, I mean, of course, the first years are always very, very turbulent. I mean, anything that can go wrong can't does go wrong, and you just have to be able to survive those things that go wrong so that you can learn from those experiences. Um, but it was... It was um, the startup is always the most fun. Uh, and setting up the business model... Um, uh, setting up the web shop, and uh, you mentioned customers and our trust pilot uh, rating. I have always, always believed that you need to work very, very closely with your customers, and we learned that very early in the business because, of course, things didn't go as planned or expected, and you know sometimes uh, something would happen to the textiles, and we discovered that being very honest. And open with our customers, they were with us. They wanted us to succeed. Uh, if you don't communicate with your customers, that can be a huge problem. As, and and customers, of course, have so much uh, to offer you in terms of product development and insight. And I believe when you have uh, a digital business that you actually have an opportunity to be closer to your customers than you might have in a physical business. So you need, especially with, you know, data today, you need to take advantage of all of those opportunities. But the customer is number one. They are your number one priority. And has that stuck with you all the way through these 17 years? Always. And I think that's that's extremely important. As And as I go forward uh, and work uh, with new kinds of businesses, um, I think it's it becomes even more important. Which is a perfect link yeah. to uh, <laughs> you have just launched or just launching, launching shall we say, yeah. uh, a new business. Yeah. Can you tell us more about this? Yeah, I um, I think that uh, my experience at BEMS, well, actually, as Steve Jobs once said, you know, you can't count the the uh, dots uh, going forward. It's not until you look backward that you can connect those dots to understand, uh, you know, all of the experiences in your life, what they have led you to. And um, I think my experience at BEMS has very much affected uh, how I want to do business, but also I've been involved in a nonprofit for the eight, last eight years uh, working with a school in Cambodia. So I was a co-founder of uh, a nonprofit working with children and education connecting to a school here in Sweden. I became very, very interested in that intersection between profit and nonprofit, wanting, realizing that if you want to create long uh, lasting, sustainable change, that you really do need to be profitable so that you can stay in business. Uh, and I uh, became very interested in textiles and uh, working with uh, marginalized or vulnerable communities. So Kinship's idea actually is to work, is to empower women in marginalized or uh, vulnerable communities and to uh, to work with them to co-create uh, textiles. Uh, there are fantastic textile traditions in many, many countries in the world. Uh, and those traditions are in danger of disappearing. Uh, and many women who don't have jobs today and to to create textiles, work with actually, and the second piece of that is to work with women in Sweden who are uh, immigrants and refugees who will then uh, sew those textiles and they're learning how to come into Swedish society. Uh, and uh, then, just like BEMS, to sell those products via uh, the internet worldwide to a, to a worldwide consumer. So you are saying that Kinship is launching um, 
luxury covers, but working with marginalized groups around the world. Yes. Uh, which countries will you be working with? From the beginning, we're going to work with uh, Laos and um, uh, Thailand, but we're working with a group of women uh, on the border of uh, Myanmar and Thailand, uh, Puo Karen women. It's a marginalized group that actually uh, fled from Myanmar and have live in the jungle on the border uh, and um, working with some women's cooperatives in Morocco. Yeah, so it's it's interesting, like because uh, this week we've seen a lot of riots yeah. around the world, and it's uh, it's interesting uh, to think about uh, the impact uh, large corporations are having um, on people. Uh, so we uh, found out what the what is of kinship. Have you thought about why uh, you decided to uh, start a new venture? Yeah. Um, actually, the riots and the demonstrations this week have affected me a lot. Um, and I have thought a lot, uh, you know, I think that we no longer have the possibility to stand by why, while the world is changing, why all of these things are happening. So it makes me feel even more determined in my mission to be able to help people who are uh, vulnerable. Uh, I think that's uh, extremely important. Um, we've been talking a lot about luxury products, and that could seem like it doesn't fit with working with people in marginalized communities. But I think we need to use uh, the luxury of our um, uh, our privilege in society uh, in order to support and work with these people. So I think it's so important today. No one has the luxury of uh, standing down. We all have to engage and become involved in this. No, it's, it's 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 interesting because it's easy to stand by and feel helpless. And I I sit at home and I sit on my sofa. I sit on uh, pillows. Have clothing from fast fast fashion uh, outlets. Mm. And um, I also walk around saying that I'm sustainable. That I'm conscious. Um, so I, I feel a massive hypocrite. But it's a change. I mean, the world is changing uh, and and we have to change our behaviours. I think about, you know, the 60s when, when people started to think about litter and our parents, you know, went on a picnic and dumped stuff out on the road uh, and didn't wear seatbelts. And so it took, you know, uh, years for us to change our behaviour. But I think the important thing is that we are changing, that we are willing to change and that we can change. So we still have our old habits. My daughter, who is 18 years old, really loves vintage clothing, but she has no money. So she will buy vintage clothing, but she will also go to H&M. Mm. And it's hard for her to, to stop doing that because that's what she can afford. But, you know, you we are changing our behavior and we need to remain committed uh, to changing our behavior so that we can make a difference. And I see that everywhere. Um, and I think that is that is hopefully what will come from all of these very difficult circumstances. I've also been reflecting a lot on, you know, what's been happening in the world with COVID and with the, the riots and the demonstrations last week. And I think also getting back to privilege, what a privilege it is to be um, starting a brand in a world like this that's going through change like this, uh, but also what a huge responsibility that we have. Yeah, I think uh, responsibility is a uh, a big thing for 
any entrepreneur now starting a company, but not even any entrepreneur, I think responsibility uh, in established companies and corporations yeah. uh, need to start taking responsibility. Um, but at the same time, it also just comes down to self-responsibility. Yeah. Uh, I know that I'm, I feel like I'm reflecting whilst I'm uh, speaking to you right now. Uh, what What would your advice be um, to any budding entrepreneur uh, or anyone who um, is in a phase of start in a startup right now uh, moving forward um, t- to find the right balance in in uh, their work mm-hmm. well I think getting back to what's happening in the world right now and the shift this fundamental shift that's happening in our society in the world uh, I think that any company that is started any company today, uh, needs to uh, have a purpose uh, in its in its uh, DNA at its core. Uh, there is no excuse not to think about sustainability, not to think about ethics, and it's and you know if you uh, are really pragmatic, uh, um, it's proven that companies that have purpose at their core are more successful. Uh, uh, live longer and have better profit than companies that do not. But from a purely ethical perspective, I think we all have this responsibility uh, to work together now to make the world a better place. So I think it's not acceptable to start a company which does not have sustainability or purpose at its core. So I think that's. I think when you're thinking about starting a company, I think you need to to think about your purpose and your why. With regards to kinship. Or regards to uh, any organization um, trying to help others, uh, what what would your advice be to actually finding out what help uh, really makes a difference? Right, uh, that goes back a little bit to our conversation about know your customers, uh, because I think you know we have a tendency coming in from first world countries to think that we know the answers, to think that uh, things are better the way that we do it. And I think we have to have a little bit of uh, humility and um, and really try to learn and to listen. Uh, that's what's happening in the United States right now. Everyone is saying, please listen to me. Uh, we need to understand what their needs are. And not only that, to see other, uh, if even if people come from marginalized societies, we need to see them as people and we need to see what they can offer to us. So this is a mutual exchange. They have things to give to us and we have things that we can give to them. So that's extremely important uh, that we think of it that way and that we work closely with them and that we really try to understand what their needs are rather than you know using our values and our value systems to think that we know the answer yeah i uh i agree um (laughs) i think that um it's very easy for people to think that they are correct and i probably have uh, the same complex uh sometimes um i think we all (laughs) but i've started to realize um that empathy is a big key to running a successful business. And you're talking about um, understanding your customers. And it's interesting because I think a a business actually works two ways because you actually have your customers who buy the products and then you have your customers who are actually providing you with materials or with a service. Yes. And um, 
it's actually that, that, that there's a responsibility to that part as well. Absolutely. And those those are your partners. And, and I think that is a part of being a sustainable business as well, that you have long-term relationships with your partners. Uh, and I mean, if you think about supply chains in the past where companies have gone in, uh, provided uh, an order to a small company in uh, uh, China uh, where they have ramped up their business to be able to deal with this order and then the next year they go away, uh, which t- completely decimates uh, that company. Uh, so so uh, it, it's important to have uh, long-term relationships with these people and work together with them to help them to build their, their companies and not try to get the best price, but to really look at how you can help them to be successful as well. Uh, it's super refreshing to hear this. Uh, especially from uh, someone with a lot of experience uh, of running businesses and startups. And you traveled the world with uh, uh, working with Apple. Um, so I'm really happy to hear it. Uh, there'll be a lot of people listening who, as I said earlier, are budding entrepreneurs. And I think we could kind of wrap up uh, this session with a bit of a, uh, not question and answers, but more um, of what are your three biggest learnings or your, and let's not do learnings let's do failures uh, <laughs> what were your what were your three biggest, biggest failures, failures? <laughs> um, uh, let's see um, I think there's a lot of failures <laughs> um, but I think having the wrong team and not being uh, willing to realize soon enough that it was the wrong team uh, wanting to make things work because I think uh, we haven't talked about team today, but I think that team is so important. Uh, and so it's really, really important. Again, this goes to your culture. So it's so important to have that right culture fit. Uh, so I've I've made uh, that mistake. Um, I have uh, sometimes not listened to my customers. And um, why would you... Why, that's I know I asked for three, but it's interesting. Why why would you not listen to your customers? Well, I think you know, <laughs> as an entrepreneur, you it's always a balancing act between trusting your gut and listening to other people. Uh, so so you have to balance that. People, there's always people who are going to say no, that's wrong. Uh, you shouldn't do it this way. You should do it this way. Um, and it's uh, you always have to to uh, take a judgment call about whether you listen or not. But I think. Um, the important thing with customers is that you should always listen, even if you don't implement that change, even if you make another decision, uh, a customer needs to be seen and needs to be heard. I'm trying to think about all of my other mistakes. Uh, so we had uh, the right team, uh, yeah. the times that you have not listened to your customers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's give uh, one more uh, of your failures. I think sometimes it's not having faith in yourself um, and depending on other people to uh, be, being swayed in your mission uh, by other people. And I think it really is a combination of numbers and data and profit, but also your gut instinct and, and your heart. And I think sometimes uh, in business, uh, we are told to rely more on the data side of it rather than having the trust and the faith to believe in our heart and uh, our gut. And um, so that, that because it is very intangible, sometimes it's, it's 
you can say, ah, you know, no, I, I'm wrong. I that is, uh, I have to rely on the numbers. So I think you always have to give yourself permission or have the, your faith, and that's that's not easy to keep that. Uh, but but you need to have faith in yourself that your gut is telling you something important. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your mistakes, and I guess you learned a lot from them. I guess we can end on what what is exciting for you for the next. Uh, for the next year, shall we say, what's what's coming up for you that's uh, really making you fizz and buzz? Yeah, I think you know. Um, of course, launching this business is tremendously exciting, and um, you know, bottom line, we need we want to sell our products so that we can support these women. Um, and the first thing that we want to do is to provide jobs for these women. But I'm extremely interested in in understanding how we can create long term sustainable change with the work that we do. So looking at how we can create a platform to support these women, I think that is is really exciting. Um, how we can how we can not just give them jobs but but really make a long term difference. I also, as I said earlier, I think, you know, I've been feeling very devastated this last weekend. And this week it started to turn around for me, feeling like this is this is a really important time to be starting a business. So I'm actually really excited about that. And I think we have to take all of these events of the last half a year and really understand how important it is to be doing something like this right now. Yeah, it would be really easy just to keep uh, the status quo and ignoring it yeah but um thank you leslie for joining uh, me thank today you, alex and a big thank you to beppo studio uh he's given me the thumbs up uh let's wrap this up thank you very much and uh hope you enjoy listening det här programmet görs på beppo beppo <laughs>